Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Well, today is Palm Sunday. You know, I was thinking about that as Joel was talking a little bit about Palm Sunday. Uh, this, is, this marks the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life. We're marching toward the resurrection. But let, let's, let's pause before we get to the resurrection because there's work to be done at the cross, amen? You ever thought about how fickle we people are? Jesus comes in to uh, Jerusalem and I mean people are cheering, it's a big parade, celebration. Perhaps the deliverer has come to Jerusalem during Passover, the Exodus celebration. Oh, if we could just be free from these, this Roman rule. And so Jesus is the hero of the moment. He comes in, but five days later, he's hanging on an old Roman cross. We're, we're a fickle bunch, aren't we? Some of the very people that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Son of David, those are the same people who were either quiet, locked jaw in a corner somewhere, or hurling insults and mocking Jesus. So today we begin the last in our series of what really happened at the cross. And uh, I wanna give just a little bit of uh, review. Is that okay? For those of you who maybe missed a little bit, uh, our first week we talked about how did Jesus understand the meaning of his own death. You know, there are a lot of people who've written a lot of things about the cross, Jesus' death, crucifixion. But how did Jesus see it? And uh, let's, let's look at that first slide here. This, this is just kind of a summary thought here. Because of the cross, we now live in a new kingdom that is governed by a new covenant. See, that's what Jesus understood. Do you remember just uh, hours before he would go to the cross, he's with his 12 there in the upper room and they are celebrating the Passover feast. They, they are getting ready. And the guys thought, it's, this is just like every other Passover. But Jesus changes the liturgy. Has Jesus ever changed the liturgy in your life? You had it figured out, you had it scripted, man, you're going, man, I got it. And Jesus said, you know what? You know, I'm gonna give you a little different thought here. That's what he did to his 12. And in, in Luke 22, he says it like this. He says, this cup, he had the third cup after supper, the cup reserved for Messiah. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Can you imagine they were all kind of looking at one another. He says, it's poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then he looks at him and he says, you've stood by me in my trials. Now I confer on you a kingdom. Same kingdom that my father conferred upon me. Two things he says, blood of my new covenant, kingdom conferred on you. He's, he's saying, because of the cross, in just a few hours, you're gonna live completely differently. The cross is gonna change everything. 
You're gonna live in a new kingdom life. You're gonna live in a new, that's governed by a new covenant. So that, that's why we as believers, when we come together and we took communion that first, first service and, and we, we talk about the new covenant meal, we talk about kingdom communion, it's because the cross changed everything. And so no longer would it be the Passover celebration, now it's the new Passover. It's the new Exodus. Now, the next week we talked about, last week we talked about crosstalk. Jesus's conversation with his father while he hung on the cross. And I said some things that I was telling somebody today, I probably have received more emails, texts, whatever, this past week, then maybe any sermon, I've, I've probably preached over 2,000 sermons in my life. And, and I think that I've got as much correspondence on this as, as any. How, how many of you know that when, when Jesus changes the litter, he, 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 shake, he shakes our apple cart? He, he begins to shake us up. He says, I want you to see things differently. And so let's look at the slide here. I want to just reiterate some of the things I said. The focus of the cross was not divine punishment. It was not the pouring out of the father's wrath on his son. The focus of the cross is divine love. If we miss that, if we miss the forgiving love of God, if we, we miss the co-suffering love of God, if we, we miss the life-transforming love of God, we miss what really happened at the cross. God demonstrates his love for us. Well, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the cross means. And, and we talked a little bit about how that the, the Trinity did not implode on itself at the cross. Father didn't punish his son. Now, the, the cross is about self-sacrificing love. The, the cross, Jesus did not save us from God. Jesus came to reveal God as Savior. Hello? That, that's what happened on the cross. I, I, I'm going I'm to get to preaching. Here, here's the bottom line. The bottom line, I'm gonna, I'll go back and listen to the tape. The picture of God's demonstrated love is, is, is God basically saying, I, I'd rather die than kill my enemies. Let that one sink in. I'd rather, I'd rather die than make all my, I'd rather make all of my enemies friends through forgiveness. See, that's the definition of reconciliation, okay? Let that one sink in. Okay, we, we need to get on to the message today here. One, one more slide. We'll give you one more slide from, from last week. The cross and this is what, Jer I'm going to pre preach a little bit of what Jared's already preached well. <laughs> the cross is not primarily focused on sin, but it's focused on victory over sin. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? The focus of the cross, it's not preoccupied with sin. It deals a death blow to sin. Okay, and, and we, talk, we talked about the word uh, Christus victor, Christ the victor. 
the church for the first 1,100 years, that's how they saw the cross. It was victory. Next Sunday, you're gonna get a good dose of victory. I wanna encourage you, not only to be here, invite a friend, invite somebody, say, hey, we're gonna have Victory Resurrection Sunday, and it'll be worth your coming, I promise. But let, let's focus on the cross. Today, I, I want us to look at how the cross changed everything. What happened on the cross changed everything. And I wanna look at, uh, well, well, Paul said it this way. He said to the Corinthians, he said, do you guys not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Why, why did Paul start out by saying, do you not know? Because they didn't know. I think that's why. Why do we have to be reminded of what happened on the cross? Because we forget. It's so counter, it's so counterintuitive to the way we think. We're a vengeance, a vengeful people. We want fair, we want justice. Can I tell you what God wants? He wants covenant faithfulness. See, that, that's what the cross is all about. That's where we're marching to, a people that have been in exile for the bulk of 1,500 years. And, and God is saying, listen, covenant faithfulness is about to be fulfilled in forgiveness, not punishment, forgiveness. Something you can't do for yourselves, I, have, I will come and do it for you. That's what the cross is all about. So let, let's take a look at the first thing, first of three things. I'm gonna give you all three right now because some of you say, Steve, I can't take notes when you're preaching because you're just going boom, boom. I'm gonna give you three things that happened because of the cross, okay? Number one is this. We have a new identity in Christ, okay? We're gonna talk about that now. Have a new identity in Christ, the second thing is we have a new reality. We live in a new reality of forgiveness and freedom to live free from sin. So we have a new identity, a new reality. And thirdly, we have a new law. Some of you are going, oh, I don't want another law. <laughs> a new law. It's the law of Christ. All throughout the New Testament, different apostles and whatnot would talk about this command of Christ, this sacred command, this law of Christ. Can I tell you what the law of Christ is? It's the law of love. It's the law of love. You, you can ask most people. I mean, you go to a beauty contest and, and they, what, what, do you, what do you, is your dream for the world? Well, they're gonna say world peace, of course, but then they're gonna say that people would be more loving. See, Jesus said, I, I, I've hardwired you for love. First thing, first thing at the cross, we have a new identity in Christ. Let's look at this verse. It says, this means, this new identity in Christ means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Let that sink in. New creation, new creature. New species is the idea. Because of the cross, we've become new. We've identified with Christ. He, he goes on and he says, 
The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Somebody say, that's good news. The old life is gone. Everything has become brand new. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God. See, we're just kind of wired to think like old covenant. If I perform hard enough, if I do enough stuff, then God is gonna really love me. He really gonna release the good stuff. Can I tell you, it's all about gift. Father says, I love you. Unwrap the gift. Sometimes God's gifts don't look like we think they ought to look like. You think the cross looked kind of a, like an ugly gift? I mean, the most heinous way of execution known to mankind. I mean, God said, I'm demonstrating my love to you. We continue. For all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God said, I'm bringing you back. For God was in Christ. God co-suffering with Christ reconcile the word world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Well, that sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? He gave us, look at your neighbor, say, that's us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, restoration to relationship with God. So we are Christ ambassadors. God making his appeal through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I, I thought that was good. What if evangelism was that easy? Yusuf, you know, y Yusuf grew up in a Muslim home. Is that right, Yusuf? Okay, if I tell you a story? Okay, I won't tell a lot of your story. He's got a great one though. Come back to God. That's the message. What if, what if we could just, anybody you meet, I mean the most dirty, rotten scoundrel, hey, you know what? Hey, just come back to God. Jesus died for you. He forgave your sins in his body on a tree. He, he, he loves you. He's for you. Just come on back home. See, that's the message of our new identity in Christ. Now, we are partners with Jesus in a new covenant. He said, this has always been my heart. Covenant faithfulness. Say it together. Covenant faithfulness. You realize what's going on at the cross is a whole lot bigger than just get your sins forgiven and get to go to heaven when you die. Hello? That's not what's going on in the cross. God is calling us back to our purpose, kingdom calling in life. He's saying, oh, you are my children, you're my sons, my daughters, my ambassadors to tell people, come on back home. Come live like I created you to live. You'll never find fulfillment just waiting for heaven to come one day. Got my ticket, I'm just waiting. Oh, it's a hard old life, but I'm waiting. Can I tell you, that is not the gospel. That's not good news. That's not new covenant. We're partners in this new covenant with Jesus. And he says, we're a new creation. Our old life is past. Some of you don't believe that. You know what else he says? He says, the old is past. I love how the various 
textures of different translations. What he's saying is the old way of the old covenant is past. It's a new covenant way of living. Everything is shifted. You have a new identity. We have a new identity. We have a, a new covenant that governs this new kingdom. Okay? So look, let's look, look at another slide, another scripture. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Because of this oath, what oath? You gotta read context around it. He's talking about the new covenant. Oath, covenant, same thing. Because of this new covenant, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. Do you see how Jesus is at the center of it all? It's not about what we can do. It's not even about, well, I got me a new covenant now and, you know, poo on the, on the old covenant. Can I tell you what? The old covenant wasn't bad. Some of you are going, what? I always thought it was pretty bad. Well, if you're under it, it might have been pretty bad. But can I tell you what? It wasn't bad. It was just inferior. Okay? It wasn't bad. It was just incompatible with the new covenant. And so Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant. So how does he do that? How does he guarantee the promise of a better covenant? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because of his eternal existence as God, let that one sink in, and because of his incarnation as man, he is in the, our covenant representation with God. He's our representative with God. It's a covenant between God the Father and God the Son, and we get to benefit from it. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect God-man. 100% God, 100% man. How do we work all that out? We're gonna have to have a long conversation. I don't know. That's my short answer, okay? I don't know. But Hebrews 8 explains how the new covenant of, in Jesus' blood completely replaced the old covenant. That's good. We've exchanged the old covenant for a new covenant. Look at the next slide. Still in Hebrews. Hebrews 8, 13. That's what God says. I will forgive their wickedness, our wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Forgiveness of sins, once for all, forgiven, never remember them. Listen to this. When God speaks of the new covenant, it means he's made the first one, the old covenant, obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Well, that's a whole mouthful there. We'll unpack that one day. Not tonight, not today, or it will be tonight. You know, but he's saying that the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. So why was the old covenant replaced and not just renewed? I get, I get that one a lot. Steve, why do you say that the old covenant was replaced? I'm glad you asked again, because the old covenant and the new covenant are completely incompatible. Let me, let me give you just a little, couple of thoughts on that. You can't live in both simultaneously, though most of us try to all the time. 
right? We pick and choose laws and rules and regulations and, uh, you know, keep everybody else in line, but I want grace. I just need grace, right? I, I just want grace. I'm so grateful for grace. Yeah. Well, yeah, why don't we just release it to everybody? You want some grace? Grace, you got it, take it, it's yours. Jesus provided it, it's yours, take it. See, here's some things. The, the old covenant was a temporary covenant between God and Israel. Do you know that? Temporary Israel. Wasn't made with us, it was made with Israel. And, and God did not initially extend that offer of the old covenant. Did you know that? He extended an offer of grace. But Israel said, no, no, we're scared. I mean, they were granted, been in slavery for 400 years. They did not know who God was. And so they rejected it. They said, we'll have Moses be our intermediary. And God said, I'm just gonna come and be it myself. You could have direct access. We don't want that. Remember the story? And so it begins the journey of 1400 years. But see, the new covenant it's not just for God's chosen people, it's for all people, hello? And it's not just temporary as a tutor, as a bridge till Messiah comes. The new covenant is Messiah comes. The new covenant is for all people and it's an everlasting covenant. It creates one new humanity. You think God meant it when he said, I desire that none should perish. None, none should perish. That every person comes to repentance, their eyes are open and they say, I wanna come back home. Come back, come back home. Come back to who you were created to be. All right, anyway, I'm, I'm, I digress. That's why you need to take notes on the front end and try to figure it out later. The old covenant was about going to the temple to access God. You know one of the problems about us coming together on Sundays like this? It can be real easy to think this is how we access God. Huh? This ain't how you access God. You access God right here. He says, do you not know your bodies is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, cross. Therefore, glorify God with your body. We can fellowship with God right here because we, we don't have hearts of stone like the old covenant anymore. We have a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh. You know, the old covenant did have some glory, but it was fading. Remember, remember, the, remember the story, Moses had the veil on and, and he went before the Israelites. He didn't want them to see the glory, he had been with God in his presence, it was fading. You know what that's called? It's called being a poser, being a protector. You know what you'll do if you try to live the Christian life apart from a new covenant in Jesus and the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Come on, some of you are already preaching ahead of me. You'll become a poser, you'll become a pretender. You'll try to fake it till you make it. You'll try to give an appearance that the glory is there but the reality is you're striving in your own strength, right? And I tell you, there's freedom from all of that. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. God demonstrated his love for us 
While we were striving really, really hard, Christ died for us. All right, I can say a whole lot about that. I'm gonna move on. Let's look at the second thing now. We live in a new reality. Not only do we live as a new, that we have a new identity, we live in a new reality. Forgiveness and freedom from sin. You know, you know, that's not just a good idea. That's a reality. Listen to this. This is Paul, one of Paul's messages, kind of the culmination of one of his messages in Acts 13. Paul says this, he says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins has been released to you. Through Jesus, through him, everyone who believes. There it is, you gotta believe it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is your answer, your hope, your source, your strength, is set free from every sin. And then he cuts, puts a little barb in there. He says, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. He says, it's incompatible, not the same covenant, not a renewed covenant. It's a replaced covenant. So, one more verse here. Hebrew, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say it. Hebrews 9, 26 says, but Christ has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's, that's good news. Now, what is it? What are we we're talking about doing away with sin? Sin it means missing the mark. It's a break in relationship. But can I tell you that sin, as Paul has in mind here in Romans 3, 23, where he says, all have sinned. Come on, help me out. And, come on, some of y'all went to Sunday school. That's good. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's he saying here? He's saying it's more than just wrongdoing. He's saying sin is missing the mark of your purpose. It's missing your covenant faithfulness. It's, there's something behind sin. If, if you go back into chapter one, he tells you what that behind the sin thing is. He says they swapped the glory of God, the immortal God, for the mortality of human things. What's he saying? He's saying behind sin is idolatry. You know, I've begun to swap it out for me. Now, sin is almost a bland word. You know, well, you sin, you know. Hey, can I tell you what? When somebody says, you've got idols in your life, snap my neck a little bit. Why? Because it's saying, you have replaced the lordship of Jesus Christ with some lesser thing. That's what an idol is. And until you deal with that thing, you won't have that experience of love. You won't experience the thing that Paul was talking about when he says, forgiveness of sins and everyone who believes will be free from sin. You wanna be free from sin? If you wanna be free from sin, you've got to deal with the idols in your life. Those things that take preeminence, that was the whole message at the cross. Israel, 
You want out of exile? Deal with your idols and worship the one true God, Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's the same message for us today. I like what uh, I had a wise old sage say, he, you know, talking about how do, you, how do you stay free? How do you live free? You know, well, you keep your focus on Jesus. You keep your focus on your kingdom calling, your, your, your covenant vocation. But I, I, this is just sim- simple language. He said, you know, you know, son, if you do what you ought to do, you won't have time to do what you ought not do. Is that, is that down on the shelf where you can get, reach it? Hey, if you, if you wanna have, if you wanna have relationship and depth of power in your life, do what you ought to do, worship the King of Kings and not what you ought not do. You won't have time to do what you ought not do. All right, let's, let's look at the last slide here. Third thing, we have a new identity. We have a, a new reality. We're free from sin. The third thing is we have a new law. Some of you going, I don't want another law. What if I just give you one law? Will you take it? Yes, See, the, pro- the problem in the old covenant is they had a whole bunch of laws. They had 613 laws. Then they had fence laws around those and laws upon the laws. And they had all kinds of laws. Because I want to make sure you get, get it right. Can I tell you, you don't keep a covenant by having a bunch of laws. If you want a covenant with God, the way you keep it is you fall deeper in love with him, right? And so Jesus at the end of his ministry gives a, a, a parting word. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. And then he gives a good cherry on the top, a result. And by this, if you do this, everyone will know that you're my disciples because the way you're loving each other. Church, what if, what if we got a hold of that? What if we fell so deeply in love with Jesus that it just spilled out on others? We began to love people not as the old covenant way was, Jesus kind of summarized that love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You're thinking, I thought that's the same one. That's not the same one. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a human standard. I love you as I love myself. Problem is, I have a really bad self-image and I don't love myself all that much. So therefore, I don't love you very much. Hello? You see the subtlety in the old covenant? Jesus is just summarizing. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on those two things. That's the best that unregenerate man can do. He's trying to love God, try to love themselves. But guess what? Jesus came to give us his Holy Spirit. When he says, Father, into, into your hands, I commend my spirit. He was releasing his spirit that it be released to us and anyone who would say, I receive can begin to walk in that. See, that, that's what's going on here. New commandment, love. See, see that, that whole picture of the cross and, and what it represents. It's not, the, as the, you know, two groups in the day, the Judaizers who had all these laws and then there was the uh, antinomians. That means anti-no-nomian, law. No law, they, they didn't believe 
There should be any law. And so then they said, it's grace, baby, it's grace. Just live anywhere I want, I sin, I can do whatever I want, just grace. If that's your view, you're an antinomian. That's not what I'm talking about. See, Jesus's new command is not bunches of laws, it's not no laws, it's the law of love. It's the law of love. If you are so in love with me that my love just flows out to other people, now you're on to it. Now you get it. What does that look like in real life? It's like, well, okay, so just love people. Can I tell you what? You, if you just love people by your own definition of what love is, I mean, that's really what we're going after. Unless you have the definition of love that Jesus has, unless you have the life pulsating of Jesus flowing out of you, you'll never be able to keep that commandment. The only way you can keep that commandment is to say, Jesus, I say yes to you. I receive your life and your love. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, racial equality. Jesus said, or Paul said, Jesus came to to destroy the dividing wall and to make us one new humanity. Not not the Jews and the Gentiles, not the haves and the have-nots, one new humanity in Christ. He said, you know what? That's a law of of love and practicality. He said, you know, uh, whenever you favor people who have a lot of money, and they they look a certain way. James said that, James too. He said, that kind of favoritism is not the law of love that Jesus spoke of. When we push people down to elevate ourselves, that's not the love of Jesus. What does Jesus' love look like? I think it looks a whole lot like the fruit of His Spirit flowing out of you. You know, over in uh, Romans 8, 1, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, here we are, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the law. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You want life? Jesus is the source of our life. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. My question's simple this morning. Have you experienced the love and the life of Jesus? Are you living loved? For some of you this morning, we're gonna have our prayer team if you guys would come forward. And you might say, you know what? I've just been living less loved than I really am. Would you pray for me? There's some of you here, there there may be some here who'd say, you know what? I have never received my salvation in Jesus. Can I tell you, it's already yours. Jesus already did the deal at the cross 2,000 years ago, about AD 30. At that point in time, he said, it's yours, but you've got to receive it. And maybe, maybe you just say, I, I, I just want to receive your goodness, your grace. But that requires humility. That requires saying, 
I'm putting my idols. Maybe that's the idol of me. I'm not going to worship me anymore in my strength. But I'm going to say, Jesus, I need you. If you're not going to come, if you don't come through, I'm not going to make it. Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in Jesus we are new people. Old is past, old is, is gone, all has become brand new. Father, we thank you that we live in a new reality of forgiveness because of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we have a new law, law of love. Well, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move on hearts. Anyone here who's not said yes to Jesus, today would be their day. Anyone here who needs a touch of the master's hand, they need to be healed. They need to be restored, made whole. I thank you that your provision through the cross, by your stripes, we were healed. So Lord, we receive in Jesus' name.